What does the Porsche Carrera GT, 550 Spider, 918 Spider, Boxster, and even the 914 all have in common? Well, the Porsche badge, of course, but more importantly, they're all examples of mid-engine Porsches. When thinking of Porsches, we generally ponder the iconic 911 with its rear-engine classic design, but there's a rich history of mid-engine cars in the Porsche past. Today's episode, Mid-Engine Madness. Welcome to Porsche and the Never Substituted Podcast. I'm Will Veach, and today's episode is in honor of the 25th anniversary of a car that helped save the Porsche brand, the 986, or better known as the Porsche Boxster. We will be discussing what led to the development of the Boxster and some of its predecessors, including one of my favorite Porsches, the 914. Now, before you go off and say that it's really not a true Porsche and offer up thoughts about Volkswagen, Keep in mind that the very first Porsche, as well as many others, have benefited from a relationship with VW. I still say it's one of the most fun and basic driving experiences out there. I love those cars and enjoy the experience of driving it as much as I'm able. But more on that later. In part one of this episode, let's talk a little bit of mid-engine Porsche history. There are some serious Porsches that have steered away from the ever-famous rear engine of the 911, and I'm talking very early cars. In fact, the earliest. Car number one, or Sport 356-1, was a 1948 Roadster that was built in Switzerland instead of Austria where Porsche was doing its manufacturing. Apparently, lightweight materials were difficult to come by after the war, but the Swiss had no problem manufacturing it. The number one, according to Porsche, was, from a technical perspective, not much to write home about had an aluminum body hammered over a lattice tube frame with axles, steering, wheels, and brakes that all originated from the VW Beetle, as did the 1.1-liter engine. At one time, Porsche did enhance the engine by 10 horsepower with the help of newly constructed cylinder heads, although the output was still just 35 horsepower. Now, the engine only needed to move 1,200 pounds of vehicle weight and it did have a maximum speed of at least 83 miles per hour. Not bad at the time. And did you hear that? Axles, steering, wheels, and brakes all came from VW. Just want to point that out. That car is actually the first ever Porsche to be tested by journalists, and they offered a review in Automobile Review magazine on July 7, 1948. In the report, the writers expressed full confidence in the car, a modern, low-slung, practical sports car suitable for daily use by a sports driver, but also for participating in sporting events. Not bad for a first effort from the fledgling car brand. At the time, Porsche was developing the rear-engine 356, but were sorely lacking funds, so the car was sold as the very first road-approved car to Peter Kaiser, who was a German living in Zurich. The price was about 7,500 Swiss francs, which was the equivalent of about 2100 US dollars at the time. Now that number today would be roughly 24,000 US dollars. So a mid-engine VW shared car helped create the brand that we have today. Porsche, of course, abandoned the early mid-engine of the number 1 and developed the rear engine 356 from that time on. But based on the design of the number 1, Porsche developed the Type 550 that would be sold as a racer for the general public from 1953 through 1956. The 550 debuted at the Paris Auto Show in 1953 and was a hit. The car was built low to the ground, and in fact it was so low that Formula One driver Hans Hermann actually drove it under the crossing gate at a railroad crossing. 
It was powered by a four-cylinder, 1.5-liter mid-engine that produced a whopping 110 horsepower with a top speed of 140 miles an hour. That car won 95 victories and 75 class wins over 370 races. There were only 9550s ever produced, and James Dean happened to own probably the most famous of them all that he nicknamed Little Bastard, which he ultimately crashed and was killed in in September of 1955. The most expensive of the rare 550s ever put up for auction was sold in 2016 for $5.3 million at a Gooding & Company event that I'm pretty sure was Jerry Seinfeld's car. The 550s would then give way to the 718. The 1957 mid-engine 718 debuted at the 1957 24 Hours of Le Mans, but didn't do all that well. In fact, it crashed on lap 129. Not a great start to say the least, but in 1958, at the 12 Hours of Sebring, the car finished third and thus began a series of dominance for the 718. In 1959, at Targa Florio, Porsche had a quadruple victory led by the 718 RSK. Most, if not all, of the Porsches at that time were rear-engine models. The mid-engine cars of the day that were sold were generally for the consumer racer or were for the racing teams where Porsche dominated an era. Fast forward to 1969 and the release of the Porsche 914. Not that there wasn't any mid-engine greatness, because there were many, 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 and we will cover some of those in another episode. Some people have derided the Porsche 914 as unreliable, slow, not a real Porsche, doesn't meet the standard, blah, blah, blah. I say there's some truth to all of those statements, but that doesn't paint the entire picture. And really, isn't a half-truth worse than a full-on lie? Just enough to be technically factual, but not enough to have all the facts. In fact, there's a growing body of consumers that are buying and enjoying these cars, and their value is skyrocketing. Case in point, in 2020, a 914.6 GT race car sold for $995,000 at a Gooding & Company auction. Granted, it was historically significant, but a 914 for nearly a million? That would have been unheard of in the not-too-distant past. So, how did the 914 come to be? Well, according to Ferry Porsche, the 914 arose from the realization that we needed to broaden our program at a less costly level, but that we couldn't do it alone, and so we sought the help of Volkswagen. To that end, in 1965, Porsche began to design a Roadster using the previous 1.6-liter Porsche 912 motor as well as the 911T 2-liter motor. The idea was to use a mid-engine configuration as it would set the new car apart from other Porsches and, of course, VWs. Mid-engine race cars were all the rage by this point, with early victories coming from Cooper. Cooper, of all things. By 1965, all significant racers were mid-engined. As I mentioned before, Porsche had already had a successful experience with the mid-engine configuration, and so it made sense for Porsche to lead the way with a roadster that was affordable and somewhat radical at the time. The early designs were also convertible, and it wasn't until 1967 that a new interpretation of the mid-engine car was provided, and it started to show the target-type roof that is familiar today. Working with Porsche, Volkswagen gave the green light to move forward on the concept, but with the directive to substantially utilize VW components of the soon-to-be-released 411. Now, i got to stop right there. Have you seen the VW 411? Porsche engineers somewhat lost it over certain aspects of that car and at least put some of the Porsche engineering into the mix. 
A couple of things that stand out is that the 914 was significantly wide, and the idea was entertained to sit three people abreast. It also actually had a wheelbase that was seven inches longer than that of the 911 at the time. So if you ever sit in one, you'll notice that there is more than ample legroom for driver and passenger, and it has a wonderfully roomy interior. In January 1967, VW came back and announced that they were against the project. The engineers at Porsche were not really disappointed as they wanted to immediately proceed with a larger six-cylinder engine and lose the four. The problem was that Porsche needed VW at the time, so just two weeks after VW axed the project, Ferry Porsche met with the head of VW and came to an agreement using mainly Volkswagen components. The car was reworked, and by September, VW officially approved the design and the changes, and the 914 was a go. One thing about the 914 that I absolutely love are the dimensions. The car was lower than its contemporary 911 brother at 48 inches from the ground to top. It was also one and a half inches wider than the 911. Because of the mid-engine design, the 914 also has twin trunks, one in the front and another rear. The rear trunk was just big enough to hold the target top, and it's actually one of my favorite features of the 914. After some final tweaks, the 914 was finally ready for launch in the fall of 1969 with two available models. The Porsche 914-6, powered by a 110-horsepower 911T motor, and the 914-4 that was a flat four-cylinder VW motor that put out a, no, wait for it, a massive 80 horsepower. When marketing the 914 in the European market, the car was to be known as the VW Porsche. The automaker decided that selling the 914 under the VW moniker in the U.S. would be disastrous, so Porsche convinced VW that the car would be marketed as a Porsche. For all of the negative comments that have been since said of the car, Motor Trend at the time dubbed the 914 the import car of the year. Now, as a side note, Porsche also developed two prototype 914-8s in 1969. Those produced 350 horsepower. Too bad those were never seriously considered for production. In the end, the 914-6 costs escalated and were nearly that of the 911, so only about 3,300 models of the six-cylinder were built before it was discontinued in 1972. During the short lifespan of the 914, it actually outsold the 911. But the last car quietly rolled off of the assembly line for a shortened 1976 model run. The exchange rates, emission standards, and small manufacturing, according to Volkswagen, contributed to the demise of the 914. Over 115,000 914s were built in its lifetime, and it has since become a lovable addition to the Porsche family. I love the 914 and have had several of those cars over the years. They're fun to drive and somewhat easy, somewhat easy to repair. Sure, there are issues, but I overlook those and just enjoy the car for what it is. No frills, easy driving, and it feels faster than it really is. The 914s are becoming a popular Porsche that is both affordable and collectible. Part two of our mid-engine madness, we'll finally get to the resurgence of Porsche with the Boxster and the emergence of the Carrera GT, 918, and the Cayman. Please share and tell your friends, family, and fellow Porsche lover. I also want to hear from you. I'm collecting Porsche stories for future podcasts and would love to hear how your love affair with Porsche began. Support our podcast by going to neversubstituted.com and check out our shop links and some very cool stuff, plus a preview of next week's show. Special thanks to Dennis Schrader Photography in Austin, Texas. 
You can see some amazing automotive prints and artwork at FastLanePhotoWorks.com. Also, a lot of the information from this podcast is from Porsche. Excellence was expected by Carl Ludvigson. I'm Will Beach. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope to see you again soon.